Hello and welcome to episode two of My Spouse Made Me Watch It. I am the spouse, Katie. <laughs> I guess I'm the other spouse, uh, Justin. And this week, Katie is in control as she's making me watch Stand By Me. That's right. And uh, if you didn't catch the first episode, the inaugural episode of My Spouse Made Me Watch It, I made Katie watch Star Wars and uh, definitely go check that out. All right. So this week is my movie that I genuinely enjoy that Justin has not seen. And the movie that I picked uh, was Stand By Me. Uh, so I'm going to go into my questions that will be a little different than Justin's. Justin has a lot of um, knowledge about like who's in movies, what awards the movie won, what the production process was like. Basically, none of that goes into my enjoyment of a movie. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so, Justin, what do you think the movie Stand By Me is about? So from what I can tell, the movie Stand By Me is about children finding a dead person. That is essentially what I know about the movie. <laughs> They walk on train tracks and find a dead person and prod it with a stick. I'm guessing that leads to some sort of trauma. Okay. And and it's about how they deal with this traumatic experience. Okay. So in, That's in my the guess. story arc, you're thinking that, like, body comes first, and then the majority of the movie is dealing with that shared trauma. I probably would have said yes, but the way you're phrasing it, almost feels like you're locking me into a position. I'm just trying to clarify for the <laughs> listeners what you're saying. Yeah, I, I would think that that like it could almost be opening credits, gang walking on the sidewalk, or they turn off the road and they're going down the train tracks. Mm -hmm. And it's the normal place that they always walk to. And mm -hmm. maybe it's not this time. Maybe it's 10 minutes later in the movie and we're reproducing the exact same scene. But essentially, like right off the bat, they're walking and they find the dead body. Mm, okay. All right. So you know it is a group of kids and you know there is a dead body. Uh, what what sort of expectations do you have about this this group of main characters? Uh, that's kind of Goonies-like. In what way? Like each character brings their own special talent in a way that only movies can... <laughs> do it's a like oh skill that he's all the nerdy one he's, a body. The, he's the nerdy one he's the the dispassionate cool one he's the one that is very charismatic and is trying to hold the group together that's a pretty good like uh that's a pretty good i mean that's a, a pretty basic band of characters right but a good a good a good uh guess for this uh do you know when this movie is set when it is set yeah uh, I would have guessed that it was set con concurrent with the time that it came out. So it was like modern day for the 80s. Mm, okay. All right. Um, so this is a based on a Stephen King novella. Mm. Uh, what, what, what are your feelings on Mr. King, his works, his movie adaptations? Good good <laughs> you yeah. like it all. i mean he did shawshank redemption uh -huh. as a no that was a novella and that's a great movie so uh i haven't seen it mainly because i don't desire to like clowns i just don't particularly like scary movies <laughs> uh but i have seen the shining shining's good mm -hmm. um stephen king's a very prolific writer who Seems to be very good at his craft. I haven't read a lot of Stephen King books, though. Uh, how much do you think you're going to like Stand By Me? Uh, I, I expect that it will be uh, fun. I, I think it's mainly coming of age style, similar to like the Goonies, but with less overt comedy. <laughs> do you like coming of age stories? Yeah. What, yeah. Is, what, what is your favorite coming of age story? Can you give me some to choose from? No. 
<laughs> trying to think. The Goonies. Goonies. <laughs> uh, breaking Away. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. It has Dennis Quaid when he was hot. What do you mean when? Good point. <laughs> Dennis Quaid, you are still a foxy gentleman. Do you have any other any other thoughts about so, Stand By Me? Stand By Me uh, is a well-known movie, and I think the thing that I know about it the most, besides the fact that they find a dead body, mm-hmm. is... Which I assume is right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess it could be wrong. I don't know for sure. But um, is that Joaquin Phoenix's older brother, River Phoenix, is in it. He is in it. And people say that he does really good in it, which I don't know whether or not that is hindsight, like what could have been. And so I know it's famous for that. What I didn't know and what kind of spoiled, it was a spoiler for me, uh, and just trying to pull up the IMDb page <laughs> to find an IMDb review is the first name listed on it is Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton is in Stand By Me. I don't even know who that is. Pulling him up on my phone. Um, he appears to be in Star Trek. Yes, he was in Star Trek. But he's like, he he does a, a show that's like a D&D show. But he's like, he's like a very famous nerdy dude yeah, he's okay. famous for like his guy. love of all things nerdy all right uh i didn't know that also the name Corey feldman yeah looked Cor- felt sure. familiar yeah is he in this yes okay so another like 80s child star that what is he in? fell off the rails he fell off the rails yeah then he didn't Corey feldman i think he od'd like a decade ago he's dead yeah oh do you not recognize him? Is he not in the movie? I mean, they're like 10 when they're in the movie, so. <laughs> All right, I don't want to ruin too much for me, but. Oh, yep, there he is. He is definitely in the movie. Okay. Uh, but doesn't look very much like his adult self. <laughs> okay. He and you went from being very gaunt-faced little boys uh, to having nice full beards, so. So, Corey Feldman. Yeah, maybe he is alive. <laughs> Sorry, Corey. He's actually a very upstanding citizen. We didn't mean to besmirch your name. That was Corey... Are you thinking of Corey Monteith, the uh, dead Glee star? Oh, yeah. See, he was in The Goonies, too. Yeah. No, I wasn't thinking of The Glee star. (laughs) I was thinking of Corey Corey Haim. That's who I was thinking of. I don't know who that is either. Corey Haim. He's Canadian. Died in 2010. Best known... In the Lost Boys with Corey Feldman. Ah, oh, I see. See, it all comes full circle. Have you seen the Lost Boys with no. Corey Haim and Corey Feldman? No. Have right. you? No. Oh, we can't put it on this podcast. Then. <laughs> Have you seen the Goonies? Yeah, of course. Okay, you seemed like to not understand what I was talking about when I was mentioning mentioning the Goonies. I think it was. <laughs> You're just playing it coy for no, the podcast. No, I was playing it coy for the podcast. I think you were talking about the Goonies in relation to the people who star in it, and I have no clue who's in the Goonies. Sean Astin, Josh Brolin. Is Sean Astin the guy who's also in Stranger Things? Yes. Which kid was he? In the Goonies. Yeah. The main one. Okay. See, this is what Justin brings and Josh, to this Josh podcast. Brolin. Do you know Josh Brolin? No. See the older brother. Yeah, he's the older okay. brother. You don't recognize him from movies? No. Like, lots of movies? I see very few movies. <laughs> Justin is bringing the uh, movie actor production staff knowledge to this podcast, and I am bringing charisma. <laughs> anyway. That's going to get cut. <laughs> anyway, I'm blown away. You never know. I might leave it in. <laughs> I'm blown away that Will Wheaton is in this movie, and I had no idea. Are you a big Will Wheaton fan? No, but but he's just somebody that's, like, in the ether. Like, he's popular for a whole bunch of stuff that he does. I, I run into things about Will Wheaton all the time. I've never heard his name before. Until I pulled up the IMDb page for Stand By Me to prepare for this episode. All right, uh, Justin, though, I would like to hear uh, the review that you selected from IMDb. All right, I will try not to read too far into this one because it is uh, tagged as warning, 
colon, spoilers. Justin, I'm supposed to pick one with spoilers? Oh, wait. That wasn't the one I wanted. Here we go. This one. I don't think it actually contains any spoilers. Okay. But it says, don't waste your time, exclamation point. This is one star. <laughs> oh. This is Clavant Derricks. Okay. June 20th, 2014. Don't waste your time, exclamation point. Pales in comparison to sliders, exclamation point. What is sliders? I know you're thinking that. I was thinking that too. Um, it says, Jerry O'Connell who I'm guessing is somebody in this movie. Jerry O'Connell has done some pretty good projects. This is the best part of the whole post. Parentheses. Sliders, season one, comma. Season three of Sliders, comma. <laughs> season two, end parentheses. <laughs> so his ranking of the seasons of Sliders... Goes one, three, two. Uh, well, a quick uh, visit to the Wikipedia has revealed that there are, in fact, five seasons of Sliders. What happened in seasons four and five? What what show? What channel did Sliders air on? The distributors NBC Universal Universal. Okay. But the original network was Fox for seasons one through three, and then the Sci Fi Channel for seasons four through five. So I guess that how recent is it? What happened? Uh, it's from 1995. And is Jerry O'Connell an actor or did he create it? Uh, it looks like he's an actor in it. So wait, 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 wait. Who did you say that this review was from? Clevant Derricks. Well, this show, Sliders, is starring Jerry O'Connell, second person listed is none other than Clavant Derricks. Is this Clavant Derricks? Or is this like a psycho <laughs> Clavant Derricks fan? <laughs> oh my goodness, what is this? Uh, there is a Charlie O'Connell in it. I want to, sorry, I just took your phone. I want to see Clavant Derricks, actor, and Tony Award winning singer songwriter who's best known for his role of Rembrandt Brown on Sliders. All right, that's all I've got. Do you think this is the Clavon Derricks? I don't know. If it is, he's throwing some major shade on his uh, acting partner. I'll just finish this, this, these, these two sentences. This is all I've read of it, of this rating. So it says, Jerry O'Connell has done some pretty good projects. Parentheses, Sliders Season 1. Comma, season one, three of Sliders, comma, season two, in parentheses. But earlier in his career, he also made a few missteps. Case in point, this average at best movie that gets a ton of attention. Stand by me. So, average at best, but he rated it a one star. And also, who's giving Stand By Me like a bunch of attention? This is written in... 2014. Clavon is clearly still salty. Also, he seems to be like really into Jerry O'Connell, who after I, I saw a picture of him, like I know who this guy is. And the the filmography points that immediately come to me for Jerry O'Connell is uh one of the dudes in Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, I do know what you were talking about. <laughs> and um, was he also in, was he the, um, oh, what's that movie with, um, oh, with Dennis Quaid, uh, Yours, Mine, and Ours, I believe he is like the, the like agent of Dennis Quaid's wife. And that is all that comes to mind <laughs> for Jerry O'Connell. So I'm thinking Stand By Me, not a bad credit for Jerry like, O'Connell. Like maybe the most important credit on his... <laughs> I mean, when you're comparing it to Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think maybe Clavant is, is being a little, a little too quick to... <laughs> yeah, I think so too. To judge the choices that Jerry O'Connell made when he was a literal child trying to break into the film business. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think Clavant is probably being a little harsh. Probably Clavant, being a little harsh. Why are you still thinking about this in 2014? Why are you so bitter? Why are you so bitter? Uh, so, Justin, do you think that you will like the movie Stand By Me? 
Yeah, I think I will. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I do not think it will feel like an overrated movie watching it many years hence. (laughs) I think it'll feel more serious, like I was saying, than Goonies. Mm -hmm. But I think overall it will be a good movie. I'm curious uh, because with Star Wars, I obviously knew that it was just dearly beloved, worshipped by some. Uh, so you you say that you don't think it'll be an overrated movie, but what is your perception of how the general population, the zeitgeist, if you will, looks back on Stand By Me? What do you think is the, the popular opinion? Uh, from what I can gather just in the ether... Stand By Me seems very beloved. Mm -hmm. It seems like a very beloved movie that people have very fond memories of, but that also is like life lesson-y in a way that is applicable today. Like, (laughs) Like in a way that people like don't look back on it just fondly for the, I don't know, fun of finding a dead body or something, but also just like the... I think the coming of age-ness of the story will ring true regardless of how you come to the story or when you come to the story. So modern day sensibilities will find the coming of age story (laughs) of Stand By Me to be still representative. A timeless coming of age, if you will. (laughs) Thank you. Ah. (laughs) What a way to phrase Phrase it. it. See why I married her, folks? For her phrasing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm really surprised that you hadn't seen this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like a movie. It's such a, like, classic 80s movie. Right. Of which you you love. You enjoy. Yeah, I, I like 80s movies. I like all movies. That's true. Yeah, it just, uh, you know, wasn't one we owned. I don't know if I've seen it on Netflix. It did used to be on Netflix. Can confirm. So I must have missed my opportunity when it was on Netflix. I remember we had a VHS of Stand By Me as a youth. That's how I first saw it. And then uh, I saw it again when it was on Netflix <laughs> as a not youth. Uh, what do you think this movie is rated? PG. Do you know what it's rated? I do know what it's rated. Am I correct? Uh, actually, let me double check that I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I know what it's rated, but I want to double check just because I should probably know. My guess is that it'd be a PG movie that, in hindsight, deals with situations in a realistic enough way where PG seems too soft, but mm-hmm. PG thirteen seems oddly strong. Yeah. The way those charred bodies in Star Wars <laughs> felt like, mm, mm-hmm. this feels like I need a little more than uh, parental guidance <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to look at these charred bodies. Uh, so I was correct um, in in my memory of this. Uh, this film is rated R. Really? And is sort of uh, reflected on by the zeitgeist is like, this is the first R movie that many people can like remember seeing in their childhood. Interesting. It's rated R, and it's all it's it's focused mainly around children, from what I believe. It is focused mainly around children. Interesting. And it is rated R. Does that change any of your perceptions that we've talked about previously? Any of my guesses? Yeah, any of your guesses. So it's about a group of children that murder somebody. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I think, I think it's, it's pretty similar to what I'm guessing, but that maybe it shows the coming of age portion of the story, uh, more accurately in a way that film raiders don't like displayed on film. Like maybe mm-hmm. it's a bunch of 12 year olds finding nudie mags and drinking, stealing beer and drinking beer and cussing to show each other that they exactly as 12 year olds do maybe it's just more accurate and uh that's what 
the R rating is for. And that's also probably why I never saw it as a child. <laughs> Your parents wouldn't let you watch. <laughs> they probably were not super psyched. <laughs> to show you. Step on me. Uh, well, Justin, I, I'm excited to see after you watch the movie, if you think, if that's the rating that you would have mm-hmm. given the film. Well, Justin, you are over 17 now, so it is time to watch Stand By Me. So, Justin, we have just watched Stand By Me. What are your initial thoughts? I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Did it meet your expectations, exceed your expectations? fall below your expectations where did it fall on the on the scale for you well i don't know if i had a lot of expectations based off of the <laughs> our, our earlier conversation yeah i thought i was gonna like it and i did so i chose this movie because it's a sort of classic 80s coming of age film i'm a, I'm a fan of the 80s movies um i also Really love kids on bikes, kids on adventures, kids on train tracks. Like any of these elements, if they appear in a movie or a TV show, I am in. So I don't know if you remember, but uh, when we were first, not even dating, but when we were first chatting, uh, one of the first things we did was watch Stranger Things. And when I told you I wanted to watch Stranger Things, I believe part of my pitch was that there's kids on bikes and kids on train tracks. (laughs) Kids just walking around on an adventure. I don't quite remember that. We weren't dating? No. All right. We started dating partway through Stranger Things. Okay. The timeline's fuzzy. (laughs) Uh, So we talked about in the first part how it is based on a Stephen King novella, and then we got to the credits, and you're like, oh, it's based on a Stephen King novella. So apparently (laughs) that didn't make much of an impression on you from our earlier segment but now knowing in my defense it has been days four days since we had our previous conversation four days not not long enough to forget (laughs) Uh, do you remember much about that conversation yes i remember a lot okay well i look forward to your questions about specific (laughs) points that i had in that conversation (laughs) okay so one of the things we talked about was it being a stephen king novella uh, so what now having seen it, does that jive with what your perceptions of Stephen King properties are? Do you... I don't, I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't not jive with that. It's just, uh, it just is Stephen King's a good writer. I haven't read anything he's read. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't have like a, oh, this is so Stephen King mm-hmm. image in my mind. Yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting, um, I'm not sure if what his, I'm sure he didn't like The Stand because nobody liked The Stand, uh, but I'm not sure what his feelings on like the new It or anything are. But at the time when this came out, this was the only property up until then that he was happy with the way the adaptation turned out. What what adaptations good. of his came out before it? Um, Let's Google. Okay. Before Stand By Me came out, there was Silver Bullet. Don't know what that is. Cat's Eye. Don't know what that is. Firestarter. Cujo. (laughs) The one about the dog. Mm -hmm. I know that one. Know of that one. Children of the Corn. Christine. Creepshow. The Dead Zone. Carrie and The Shining. So those are all of the ones. So The Shining was before it. And so you're saying he doesn't like... The Shining's adaptation of his, of his book. Yes, according to my internet research, I don't know what happened after after Stand By Me, but up until Stand By Me, he was like, this captured my... The essence of the, the book. The essence of my work. And and apparently he hadn't had it felt like that. So he was, he was satisfied with the experience of watching Stand By Me. So my question, my first question for you is, are you... A Gordy, a Chris, a Vern, or a Teddy? I don't know. Is this a thing people do with this movie? No, I'm just wondering. Or is this just something that you're doing? This I was wondering is just if this me. was 
was wondering if this was part of the lore. No, no, this isn't the equivalent of are you a Carrie or a Miranda? This is just which when you think this was (laughs) Sex in the City for young boys for 12 year old boys no (laughs) i'm just asking looking back on your own 12 year old boyhood which one of those boys do you think you were the most like Mm, probably either if i were to rank them probably gordy fern and then the other two tied for third tied for third Not really like the other two. No, I, I wouldn't say so. Uh, so there was one scene in this movie that I thought you would have a special affinity for and, and feel very seen uh, by this this part of the movie. Would you like to tell the listeners? Uh, yes, it was. I assume you're talking about the part where the leech is mm-hmm. in Gordy's underwear. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> His reaction is probably very close to what my reaction would mm-hmm. be to Just pass out. Pass out. <laughs> yep. As soon as we decided we were watching this movie, I was very excited for you to see that part because that just struck me mm-hmm. as that that seemed very, very Justin, very 12-year-old Justin. Uh, so you thought that this movie was going to be set in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised when it was set in the 50s? Uh, a little bit, but then I remembered that it was based off of a book, and then afterwards, I remembered that it was based off of a Stephen King book. <laughs> so, then it made a little bit more sense. I was like, okay, so the, mm-hmm. the book is probably older, the novella is probably older than this. Uh, how about the rating? So, you guesstimated that it would be rated PG, maybe airing more on the side of PG-13. Uh, now, having seen it, do you think the R rating is appropriate? Yeah. Do you think it should be PG-13? No, no, I think it I think it fits. I think it fits the movie, and I think my summation of why I thought it was rated R after you told me it was rated R was pretty much correct. It was ex- exactly what I guessed it would be rated r4 so what would you say are some high points of the movie uh and some low points of the movie so some things that i got really right and then uh some things that that were maybe some missteps i i don't know (laughs) missteps yeah of the movie yeah I don't know. Like, you're very perturbed by uh, Kiefer Sutherland's boy gang. You're like, there's too many people in this gang. There's too many fellas in this crowd. Yeah, I just thought it was a weird, like, a cast of eight people in this gang (laughs) that all play no, hardly an important role in the story at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just seemed six too many. (laughs) It could have been two You want a gang of two? It didn't even need to be a gang. It just was a bunch of loser boys. So I thought it was interesting. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland was in the movie. I didn't know that. John Cusack was in the movie. I didn't know that. Uh, Going into it, I was like, is that John Cusack? Is that Kiefer Sutherland? (laughs) So I thought that was funny. At that point in their careers, they may have been somewhat known, but... It's a bit of an Easter egg hunt of like, oh, that kid looks vaguely familiar yeah to be them figure out what they were in i feel like Corey feldman looks very different in the goonies than he does in stand by me which makes me think because he looks bigger the way i remember him in the goonies than in stand by me he looks like a he's further along in puberty <laughs> Like he looks physically bigger. Uh-huh. He looks heavier, too. Yeah. And I wonder if either he was chunkier at a younger age and then thinned out a little bit, or if they shot Stand By Me like a year before Goonies even came out, and it mm-hmm. took a long time to come out. Yeah. I think it's just all, which I, I don't know, because I have no clue when either of these things were shot. Uh, but I think it's more just in his physicality. Like when he's playing mouth, he is personality wise, you know, taking up more space. He's a more confident character, um, you know, holds himself very but you don't in think a very he looks, large way. Um, you don't think he looks heavier 
like physically no, heavier? No, I don't think so. I think he looks about the. Do you want to see same. a side by side? I'd love to see a side by side. Uh, whereas in Stand by Me, he's got he's got his weird little burned ear kid thing going on, slumping around, got those weird painful body movements. Okay, now I'm looking at more pictures. He does look younger. Like his face looks younger, mm-hmm. but his face looks less defined. It looks mushier. Don't you think his face looks mushier? I think it's just a trick of the glasses and and stand by me. And stand by me. Yeah. So he's got those big like I don't even what do you call those glasses? Those big what's the what's the phrase? Like Buddy Holly glasses. Yes, yes thank you. He's got those big glasses. Well it is the fifties, so it is the fifties. Gotta have those big glasses. So I did like that the structure of the story was different from what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I thought that the finding the dead body was like a side quest or an, an initiating event mm-hmm. in the story, but it was actually like the the finale of the story. Mm-hmm. It was a good device to really be a story about dealing with death for the first time and Gordy dealing with the death of his brother and not really having closure from it and almost feeling the need by the end to see this dead body because he misses his brother. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a good device to use for that. I don't know the purpose of Kiefer Sutherland's character in general. I think it might be i'm not sure i haven't actually read the novella um so i'm not sure which i I do know though that it's like semi like drawing on stephen king's own experiences um as a boy so i don't know if he felt the need to include if it's like a character in the novella that he felt the need to include this looming childhood bully that he remembered uh or if it was a device in the in the film just to sort of insert some extra extra drama just in case the like internal struggle of confronting death wasn't enough you got to have a a Kiefer Sutherland around to antagonize you Mm -hmm. um and to sort of create that that climax at the end because otherwise I don't know what else you would have done once they once they got to it was all building up to like seeing the body and then once they find the body if they hadn't had that that standoff with Kiefer Sutherland which it's the 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 bad boy gang is cartoonish in <laughs> in many ways, um, but I'm not sure how else you would have come away from that without that moment of like Gordy standing by his friend and and sort of taking on the problem there at the end. Yeah, yeah, I do like that visual of the namesake, I guess, of the movie of standing by. Gordy. Me. Or by Chris. Chris. <laughs> Gordy standing by Chris. Uh, not to mention the very overt use of the song Stand By Me throughout. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I didn't really feel like it was a movie that I expected there to be a climax to. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I didn't feel like it needed to have that part of the movie. It's mm-hmm. fine that it did. Uh, it'd be silly to critique a really beloved movie 32 years after the fact. <laughs> but it it was interesting that, uh, yeah, it just, it just felt like a rambling kind of movie. And mm-hmm. that, that felt like the only piece of structure to it was trying, like, trying to bring these antagonists to the same place point uh as our our team of protagonists Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yeah yeah i don't know i feel like some of the Mm -hmm. gang was really bad (laughs) like Kiefer sutherland was okay and then uh, most of them were like not great (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh, it was very like listen here kid or i'll Uh give you a what for (laughs) Yeah, and part of me wonders, I may be giving the film too much credit, uh, but part of me wonders if that's supposed to be the, because he's, Gordy's looking back on this as an adult, uh, if that's some of his 
looking back on it like oh when we were 12 these were like a really scary formidable foe in our lives but looking back like they were just these dumb idiots who were having fun antagonizing 12 year olds um i'm not sure if that much thought actually went into it but i think that's a way that it it could be read i don't think so and here's why (laughs) one he runs a car off of the road and two, he pulls a knife on children. So, (laughs) but it was the fifties. People pull knives on children all the time. I fully expected Kiefer Sutherland to stab a kid. It happened. Kids got stabbed by older kids. That was just life. (laughs) But my read wasn't that they were kids. They were like Mm -hmm. 20. They were fully (laughs) outside of high school. Oh, really? Oh, I thought... That's my read on it, mm. that they were fully grown adults. Mm. No, my read on it was that they were like high school boys getting my, into, my getting into trouble. My read was either dropped out or barely passed high school, and now they're just... Kicking around the town. Kicking around the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the end of the movie, Will uh, Wheaton's character, he's drawing on his computer, and he asks the enduring question of... He never had friends again the way he did when he was 12. Does anybody? What do you think of that? Uh, A good line, kind of cheesy, but meant to be. Uh, I think the more laughable part of it is, one, the computer that he was writing on, (laughs) and two, the idea that like a novelist in the 80s is using a computer Computer. to write. (laughs) Like They would be all about a typewriter because... A computer would be insane to be writing that stuff on in that those days. Well, let's ask Stephen King. I guess maybe Stephen King was, but I think it was Rob Reiner wanting to add a little future, a little futuristic flair, yeah, like, little oh, lime green writing oh, on a black he's screen. A, <laughs> he's a very successful writer. He has a computer. computer. <laughs> it's all about that visual storytelling. But I mean, my parents until like the early 2000s still had a typewriter sitting around, even though we used computers Mm -hmm. like for almost everything. I still remember a few times seeing my mom use a typewriter. I guess it was more practical. Like 40s an early adopter. Yeah, but I like there's no infrastructure at that point in time in the mid 80s for computers like what do you you finish writing it on the computer now what you don't have a personal printer you have to take that file (laughs) you put it on your floppy take your floppy (laughs) when did the floppy come out like the one you're thinking of or the actual floppy floppy a floppy floppy like one that's like our generation calls floppies the the three by five or three mm-hmm. like the hard did you ever have there as was a kid actual floppy disks that, actually that, floppy. that was actually a thing sidebar did you ever have as a kid like uh in in your early days of like writing reports and stuff did you ever have like a box of blank floppies to put your things on to take from your home computer to the school computer to print it out mm-hmm. uh, yeah I would do, <sighs> that was awesome i was the kid that transition to cds way before uh-huh. every other kid i would write it onto a writable cd the file take it and then i started putting it onto my ipod which really mm-hmm. freaked people out they didn't understand what was going on i remember that i put it on my ipod the and... old ipod trick but it was so cool that moment when you got your own box of floppies you had enough important things that need to be transferred from one computer <laughs> to the other i remember mine were multicolored oh they yes. were like clear you could see through them Oh, the clear ones. Yeah. Multicolored, but clear. Anyway. (laughs) When was that? What grade was that for you? I was probably like in second grade. (laughs) And yes, the uh, floppy became obsolete before it went through my whole case of uh, multicolored transparent floppies. It's very, very sad. Went on to the the old jump drive. I think I had a jump drive. I think I was using jump drives before I had an iPod. I just want to point out that you just snapped and pointed at the microphone. I was pointing at you. I think you. you are confused as to the way this medium works. <laughs> I was pointing at you. All right. So how about this as a, um, you talked about it as a, in the earlier segment, as a timeless coming of age novel. Do you, not novel, a timeless coming of age movie. Now having seen it, do you agree with that? Do you think 
it still feels familiar as a group of friends. Yeah, I think my read on that was pretty spot on. The like like I feel like I did a good job of calling out the makeup of the group. Mm-hmm. Of of how I thought the group of friends yeah. is made up. And I think that the interactions between the kids, because they are, are, or at least seem pretty close to the age that they're portraying. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it comes across very realistic to how a lot of kids act. Like, you know, the tackling each other and half of the friends are excited to tackle and punch the others and the others mm-hmm. don't want any part of it but they're all still <laughs> friends afterwards and mm-hmm. just the feeling of of going on an adventure and talking about stuff your parents wouldn't want you to be talking about <laughs> and using words your parents, parents wouldn't want, want you to use. use yeah so i think all of that feels very familiar to mm-hmm. most most childhoods i would yeah. guess you mm-hmm. know yeah it reminds me of roaming the streets suburban streets with my oh, man. friends and in, in Roman the means of like the fourth streets. grade yeah <laughs> were there was there a gang of older boys who would antagonize you in surprise on the mean streets of surprise they wouldn't antagonize us because i knew one of the older boys in the neighborhood of my friend's neighborhood and uh we were cool like <laughs> <laughs> we were cool so we were never antagonized uh, <laughs> It always reminds me, uh, seeing this movie, of when I was a kid, um, we would not roam the streets, but we would roam the canyons. Uh, so one of my best friends in grade school, her house backed onto a canyon. Um, and when we would hang out at her house after school, we would walk to this like little independent, kind of like the shop that they go to in the movie, just like a, a food and stuff um, one of the last remaining of those independent food and stuffs that hasn't been run out by the Safeways and the like, and everything has like a thin layer of dust on it in the store. Uh, and we would get those giant pickles and a thing of Lucas. Do you know what Lucas is? Yes, you ask me every time you mention oh, Lucas. Well, you always look at me blankly. <laughs> every time you mention Lucas, you say, do you know what Lucas is? Well, stop looking at me blankly when I mention it. I'm just, I'm watching you talk. <laughs> anyway, and we would, in the canyon, there um, were like little hobo shanties down there. And so we would just climb down into the canyon, roam around with our, with our, our sustenance, our pickles, and our Lucas, and poke around the little, little hobo shelters. Probably not something we should have been doing in the, the hot canyon, armed only with sodium. <laughs> But yeah, that always feels like that, like going on an adventure. You got to get your snacks, got to have your got to have your tools, then you got to go climb on out. So, Justin, if your friends, if Christian Hall came to you and was like, I know where a dead body is, would you go look for it now or as a child, as a 12 year old? Maybe it's it would feel weird in suburbia. (laughs) (laughs) That feels like a. A wilderness mm-hmm. adventure. Yeah. So, like, in suburbia, it would feel kind of odd. Yeah, because you couldn't have just gotten hit by the train. Something nefarious would have happened. Yeah. Or it's maybe. in a place with, like, a lot of people around. Well, maybe he fell in the canal. Maybe. <laughs> but You gotta go walk along the canal. It also is in the 50s, so we'd probably just call the police. You wouldn't want to be a hero? That was the part of the movie that I didn't quite understand. Why did everybody think finding this dead body would make them a hero? Because the police have been looking for the kid and they can't find him. Yeah, everybody's going to forget about you the second that the body's found. Like, nobody's going to be like, (laughs) and yes, the child has died, but forget about him. Thank you, heroes, for finding (laughs) the dead child. They already know that kid is dead. They're just looking for a body now. I think as a twelve as a twelve year old, I think the logic I think the logic plays out of like, man, we're gonna be in the papers. Boy, he, in the fifties, there's nothing else going on in the papers. 
You but you were it. asking me. Boy heroes. You were asking me about being a hero. Okay, I'm going... Okay. <laughs> Imagine that you are a 12-year-old boy in the 50s <laughs> and Christian Hall in his weird little khakis comes up. So Christian Hall's Vern? <laughs> no, Christian Hall wouldn't be Vern. Christian Hall would be... He would be the Teddy. He'd be between Teddy and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's tough enough to be a Chris. Yeah, you're right. No, sorry. You're, you're... <laughs> no, you're right. He would be a Teddy. So he shows up to you with his cool glasses. <laughs> but he's not like as unhinged as Teddy. Like Christian can be wild for the fun of it, but he's not very unhinged. Christian doesn't fit cleanly into the group of kids. Okay, of your friends, if one of them had gotten their ear burned off, which one would become unhinged? Max. Oh my goodness, he's not in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Max, if you're out there. He would be the body you're looking to find. <laughs> nobody can find him. No, nobody can find my friend. No, he lives in Texas. He's married. He just <laughs> never returns phone calls or text messages and probably changed his number and never told anybody. Max. If you hear this, tweet at us. Or just call me. <laughs> I tried to call you on your birthday last year. No answer. Nothing back. Aw. He's the Ray Brower in your life. I know when your birthday is. It's April 15th. Aw, that's sweet. It's tax day. It's easy to remember. <laughs> I did it again! <laughs> again, she snaps and points at the, can at the microphone. All right, well, do you have any other thoughts about Stand By Me? Was it worth watching? Yeah, it was definitely wor worth watching. I, I mean, I knew it would be. I think it will be surprising if either of us feels like one of the movies that we have picked isn't worth watching. Oh, I got some doozies for you. You've got ones that you genuinely like that aren't worth watching. I've got ones that I genuinely like that I think are worth watching that you will probably watch and be like, why am I watching this? Stay tuned for episode four when we watch Bring It On. Uh, so I have a question for you as somebody that has seen this many times. Okay. Do you think this is one of Jerry O'Connell's worst performances? Because <sighs> I was, I I felt okay about young Jerry O'Connell. I, I did feel okay about young Jerry O'Connell. You know, it's tough to compare to such a cinematic master cinematic masterpiece as 2003's Kangaroo Jack starring Jerry O'Connell. But I think this is right up there. Like he's he's acting, he's got he's got jokes, so he's got feelings. That's just to say I don't know what Clavant what's his last name? Derricks. Clavant Derricks. I don't know what his problem is with his his old pal from Sliders. From Sliders. Season one. Season three. And season two. So, yeah, I don't know what the big deal is. Uh, but Clavant, Derek's, I'm not seeing it. This was definitely a worthwhile movie. <laughs> I'm not sure if we would even... I, I want you to ask yourself this, Clavant, Derek's. If Jerry O'Connell had not been in Stand By Me... Would he even have gotten the opportunity to be in Slider season one? Or three for that matter. Or, hear me out, season two. I don't know. Also, Jerry O'Connell, you glowed up. So, feel good about yourself. Glowed up? Yeah, he glowed up. Glowed, G-L-O-A-T, up? Gloat up? No, glowed. Like, glowed. glowed. I don't know what that means. You don't know what the term glow up means? I've literally never heard those words together like you, before. You didn't just grow up, you glowed up. That's dumb. Yeah! <laughs> Rude! Uh, okay. I will not be adding that to my vocabulary. Just because you feel sad that Will Wheaton did not glow up. Just... I do not feel sad about... <laughs> I I just I thought it was very funny. Jerry O'Connell, I'm just saying that, you know, his he got more eyebrows. He I, slimmed I, down. He's I, a little got some color on his skin, a little less pasty. I just thought it was funny looking at Jerry O'Connell 
and knowing what he looks like now, and then looking at Will Wheaton and knowing what he looks like now, you would have thought Will Wheaton would have looked a little bit more like Jerry O'Connell, and Jerry O'Connell would have looked a little bit more like Will Wheaton. Not to say Will Wheaton, you know, it's just like me. He's got he's rocking the dad bod. I don't know if he has kids. I don't, but we're rocking dad bods. <laughs> got the beard, the dad bods. True. Got the little beer belly. He's still got the eyelashes. You have eyelashes. Yeah, see, we both got eyelashes. Me and Will, we're right here. Is this why you feel personally attacked by the phrase glow up? I don't feel personally attacked. Because <laughs> you grew up and all you got was a beard? Oh, you married me. That's true, I did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So for the next episode, as you have already alluded to, uh, talking about your your next recommendation. Yeah, my next you're, one. You're throwing it down a whole episode early. Oh, well, the Bring It On fans are going to come out in hordes for that episode. So okay. Just dropping it in there. Okay. I may have seen Bring It On before. I had three sisters. I've seen cheerleading movies. Would your mom have let them watch Bring It On? Yes. I'm pretty sure we owned, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we owned Bring It On. Okay, tell me one thing you know about Bring It On. If you can tell me one thing about Bring It On, I won't make you watch it. There's a competition, and they compete in it. Not good enough. We're watching Bring It On. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I met your criteria, and then nope. you changed the goalposts. Nope. Is Katherine Heigl in it? No. Ha. You need to watch it. Because Katherine Heigl isn't in it? I mean, that does bring it up in my esteem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But much better than Katherine Heigl. It has Eliza Dushku. Huh. That doesn't bode well. You don't like Eliza Dushku? I don't even know who that is. That's why it doesn't bode well. Uh, what do you got against Eliza? Besides the fact that I have no idea who she is. I mean, she doesn't know who I am. No, she doesn't. So what I was trying to say <laughs> was what my next movie is going to be. The next yes. episode, jump in right. two episodes. <clears throat> in case you have to cut this. So, Justin, what am I going to be watching next episode? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because uh, I think I'm going to keep it in. <laughs> I really appreciate the segue, though. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, I'm keeping the segue in, too. Okay. And all of this explaining oh, the segue. What am I watching? Fight Club. Yay! I was really scared for half a second that you were going to say Lord of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, because I have already put down a very clear no elf policy on this podcast. Have you seen Elf? Yes. You don't like Elf? It's fine. Well, great. Yes. No, it's not Lord of the Rings, and... We are not going directly into Star Wars Episode 5. We'll be saving it for another time. I think that just about does it. Thanks for listening. And good night. <laughs>